Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. Well, a very good morning to you, church, once again, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie are away. They're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but they will be back with us in Harare in the next uh, two weeks. Like I always say, it's such a trepidatious thing to stand in the stead of Pastor Tom uh, bringing the word. But I believe that today uh, you will be greatly challenged, ministered to, and encouraged as we uh, get into the word. Now, Pastor Tom has been teaching uh and ministering on the subject of overcoming. And most recently he spoke about uh, overcoming fear by the word of God and then overcoming discouragement. Now, if you missed any of those messages, I want to encourage you to go back to them because they are such a timely word for where we are at uh, in this season. So I want you to go back to our platforms and look for those messages. Well, today we'll be exploring the subject overcoming doubt. And the title of the message this morning is, I have heard enough. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, this opportunity that we have to be in your presence. We ask, oh Lord, that you may be with us. Uh, Father, I ask that you may speak through me and minister to the hearts of people. Father, I pray that indeed uh, hearts are open, minds are ready to receive your word this morning. Amen and amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, nudge your neighbor and say amen. If you're watching alone, just, just type amen and just let us know what together. Hallelujah. In simple terms, doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. Isn't, aren't we faced with a lot of that right now? The uncertainty, the, the lack of conviction. When we read the Bible in the, uh, in the book of Mark, in the ninth chapter, we read of a, an interesting encounter. Jesus is up on the mountain with some uh, disciples. Then he comes down and there's commotion. And then this father is, is brought his boy who is unwell. After a bit of discourse, uh, Jesus then uh, said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What an interesting statement that the father makes. And it's such a, a statement filled with great honesty and vulnerability. He acknowledges that indeed I believe, I have faith, but I still have some doubts. Therefore, please help me with my doubts. Help me with my unbelief. Here we see that faith and doubt can sometimes exist concurrently. And in the, in the uh, book of Psalms in chapter number 78, it's, it's a very interesting read as we uh, uh, see the behavior of the children of Israel after they've been taken out of the land of Egypt, after God has done such so many great miracles. God has placed them in a place of Goshen where they are protected. God has caused the heart of Pharaoh to be moved such that they can leave. They have seen and witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They have received uh, clothes that do not weigh out. They've received food. They've seen all these miracles. But if you read verses 40 to 43, it says something very interesting. It says, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy when he worked his signs in egypt and his wonders in the field of zoan turned their rivers into blood and it goes on and on to explain many more things the statement that struck me and shook me really is the statement that says and 
limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. Just imagine after all those things that they saw, just imagine after all those things that they saw, they did not remember his power. The children of Israel would vacillate between two opinions, especially when faced with a perceived crisis and would often murmur and question God and begin to doubt him. Murmuring really is a sign of doubt and is a reflection of a real heart issue, which is really a heart filled with doubt. Just imagine with me, imagine with me, just imagine. All the things that happened, all the things that happened, but they would forget that you know what? God parted the Red Sea. He, he caused us to plunder. Just imagine slaves going and, and, and getting gold from their taskmasters, all those things, forgetting them, and begin to question, his intention, his ability, his credibility and integrity. <clears throat> it's very easy to begin to look at the children of Israel and say, but these guys. But if we really look at it, uh, you and I have got areas that we've seen the power of God mightily, but have moved back into a place of doubt and, lim and therefore limiting him and what's limiting what he's able to do with, in and through our lives. Mark 11 verses 22 to 24, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The Bible here is clear. It says we must not doubt in our hearts. You know, Pastor Tom has often taught us about the importance of having the word of God in our hearts. That it's, 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 it's good. It's, it's a starting point to know it in our minds, but we need to translate it from heart knowledge, from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Well, seems as if doubt works the same. Here the Bible says, do not doubt in your heart. It doesn't say do not doubt in your mind, but do not allow doubt to become a part of your heart. A part of my heart. We must guard our hearts with all diligence as the Bible teaches us. And one of the reasons is that the things that we allow in our hearts can probably derail our lives. If it's the wrong thing, they can derail us and cause us not to be in the place that we need to be. Today, I wanted to, to look at three aspects or three areas that we could potentially doubt and limit, limit the Holy One of Israel. The first one simply is doubting oneself. See, this is probably one of the main areas we can really doubt. See, as we go through life, the different seasons and some of the vicissitudes of life can cause us to begin to doubt ourselves. We can begin to doubt ourselves in our gifting, our call, our purpose, in what God has placed in us and the ability to achieve. We begin to live our lives and our faith surreptitiously, hiding it, not being open with it because we are saying, you know what, I'm not so sure that I can do it. See, after a couple of failures, mistake, mistakes, rough patches, unfortunate events, we begin to fill our self-talk with negative things until we actually doubt ourselves. You know, there are many people in the Bible that we can look at who had probably gone through things that caused them to have such a negative self-talk, such a negative self-view, uh, such self doubt. If we look at, 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 at Moses, powerful man he is, but he still had to deal with some of these self-doubts. If you look at uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 4 in verse 1, he, he, this is in the middle of that, that amazing 
burning bush experience. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. At face value, this is a simple question to say, Yes, they may be skeptical about what I am saying, but could it be that because Moses fled, when he had killed someone for 40 years or for whatever time he was away, he kept telling himself that, you know what? Those people see me as a murderer. When they see me, all they see is a murderer. When they see me, all they see is a murderer. So by the time he's thinking about going back, he's saying, if I go and tell them that God appeared to me, he's thinking, would they believe that God would speak and appear to a murderer? Again, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10 says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither uh, before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I'm sure God knew. <laughs> they were talking, right? So he could understand. He could tell that I'm speaking to someone who is not eloquent. I'm sure God knew that this man is not eloquent. But now because of the self-doubt, you know, it's possible that Moses had been told, ah, you, know when, you know what, when there's lots of people you don't speak because you are not our best speaker. You're not eloquent enough to address people. Now imagine being asked to go and speak to Pharaoh and you are not eloquent. Let me tell you this. When God calls us, he knows exactly what he is calling. He knows our stutter. He knows our stammer. He knows that we've got missing teeth. He knows it all, but for him, it is not a hindrance. Look at Brother Gideon. Brother Gideon is uh, visited by an angel. Why is threshing grain in a wine press? I always find that so interesting that he's hiding so much that he's threshing grain in a wine press. <laughs> and in Judges 6:15, it says, So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. This was probably drummed into him to say, You know what? You are the least of the least of the least growing up. He knew. He knew his position. He knew his rank. So it, it did not make sense. There was so much doubt to say, So why would I be the one to do it? You know, I, I often think of uh, when we were growing up, um, we used to have this thing where during school holidays, my cousins would almost be together the whole time. And at that time, there were five of us. And our parents used to, I guess it was, you know, I don't know why they would do it, but they would put food for us all in one plate. Maybe it was to build the aspect of community. They would put the food in two plates, right? One plate with the salsa and the other plate with the meat. And you picked meat based on the hierarchy of who is oldest. So I grew up knowing that I am fourth when it comes to the five of us. I am fourth. There was no doubt about that. So now imagine Gideon. He is the least. He knew every time food comes, let's say they ate like us. Food comes that he has to wait. So there are more powerful people. There are more senior people. There is so much self-doubt. And now when God comes and he says, hey, you are the one to do this. It's like, ah. No. I think there's a mistake. self Doubt. See, the challenge is when we, when we have this self-doubt, what we're actually doing is that we are questioning God's wisdom in calling us. We are questioning God's intentions and we are questioning God's judgment by giving him reasons or asking questions about our inability to carry out what he is saying. The truth of the matter is that much more of this happens with Christians because we have labeled ourselves, we have boxed ourselves and pedestalized others to say, I can't do it, it's for them. Our prosperity is possible, but it's for others. I can't do it. I can't, but they can. 
But I can't, but I want to just tell you that God is no respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. See, we have been told too many things, too much misinformation that has caused us to believe the wrong things about ourselves and begin to doubt ourselves. Maybe growing up, a teacher told you that you would never amount to anything. In fact, I saw this, this, um, <laughs> this picture of this one of the Olympians, the swimmers from I don't remember which country. And she was saying, you know what? My teacher said to me once, live swimming. You can't achieve anything in life with swimming. But now she's an Olympic medallion. She has received medals from Olympics. Now imagine how many people have been defined by such things. And now we walk around with these uh, labels and they stop us from believing in what God has placed on the inside of us. See, we need to fix our self-talk. We need to fix our environment, the environment around us, because certain environments feed that negative self-talk. One of the ways that we can do this is by doing what Pastor Tom has been teaching us to do in the last few weeks, personalizing the word of God. You could actually say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and any perceived defect is not a hindrance to the fulfillment of the purposes of God over my life. You could declare, according to Jeremiah 1 verse 5, that before I was formed in the womb, God knew me. Before I was born, I was sanctified and I was ordained. So the things I'm supposed to be doing, God already knew. So whatever it is that looks like I can't is invalid because he knew already and he's all-knowing. He's almighty. He's powerful. You could even declare over yourself, according to 2 Peter 1 verses 2 to 4, that he has given me everything that pertains to life and godliness. It is there. It is there. Or you could say, according to Acts 10, 34, God does not show partiality. As I see others excelling, it is a sign for what God is able to do with me, and I will celebrate them, and my turn shall come too. If you and I doubt ourselves, it is very difficult and very unlikely that we are able to believe fully the word of God. The second area I want us to look at today is doubting God's word. See, what happens is that if we have a negative self uh, view, if we have uh, a, a bad uh, or if we doubt ourselves, it's, it's very hard for us to begin to believe the word of God because the word of God tells us who we are. It defines who we are. It defines what we should be doing. And so it becomes hard. Just look, think about the children of Israel. They, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. So they could not believe that indeed they could go over into the land of promise and God fulfill his word that he says, I will drive out the inhabitants of the land. How? Why would he do that for grasshoppers? You see, there were two people that were there that would say, no, 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 guys, we can do it. They, they, the Bible says they were of a different spirit. We can do this. But the voices of the naysayers were so loud, just like now. There are so many voices, so many voices saying all sorts of things that it, it filled the people with so much doubt of the promises of God and the word of God. See, our doubt of the word of God is evidenced by how much we act on it and allow it to direct us. See, the word of God is not a novel that we read, a novel of exciting stories that we can just go wow and find tweetable tweets and uh, postable posts uh, about the word of God that we just post it but don't leave it. No, no, no. The word of God is different. It's not stories. It, it, it is what the, it's the principal thing that should direct us, that should encourage us. Not to say, ah, no, that's for, no, no, no. It is for us and it should affect 
our lives. The word of God is living and active, sharper than two, any, any two-edged sword. Ha! The word of God is powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, that was in our daily reading a few days ago. It says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they had heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So they all heard it, but it did not bring about a profit. It did not bring about a return. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith now we know that faith without works is dead so if you hear the word and don't act upon it you will receive nothing because you have not mixed it it is not a profit to you see our actions are really the differentiator between doubting god's word and being fully convinced fully believing it sometimes we want a sign that his word is true credible and change is not but there are many signs that are there already in the bible just look at Jesus. Let's look at the model of Jesus. Jesus in Luke 17, 14 um, says to these lepers, So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus was so confident in what he was saying. Jesus was so confident in what he was doing because the Bible tells us that he would say that I, 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 I say what I hear my father saying. I do what I see my father doing. He is coming from a place of, of, of knowing what God is doing and how do we know that? Through his word. And he says, go show yourselves to the priests. He, he didn't say to them, okay, go and then come back. No, no, he was so confident that he said, go. You know, sometimes we will huddle together uh, and say, let's pray. But at the back of our mind, we want that person to come back and testify to say, you know what? I, I, it happened. What you prayed for happened. But we must have so much confidence in the word of God that even if they don't come back and tell us, we know that it was done. We know that it was done. Yes, if you, you can come and testify, it's important that you testify. But just because we proclaim the word of God, we know that it is done. The Bible speaks of how signs and wonders shall follow the preaching of the word. You know what? Let them follow. Even if we never hear of, as long as they happen, I, we, we should be so convinced by the word that, you know what? This is it unfortunately we want the affirmation so that it can it can fill our doubts to say ah, so, but, but did i pray properly did i really do it no 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 the word is living and active matthew tells us of the of the encounter of jesus and the centurion where the sick servant the centurion says to jesus you don't have to come to my house you don't he just says speak a word just speak a word jesus speaks very i mean the, the, <laughs> it's a few words that he speaks and Jesus commends this man of great faith and sends him off. And the Bible records that his servant was healed in that same hour. Hey, just the word, that hour, Ipapo, right there. That is amazing. It's so easy to be like Thomas who said, unless I see for myself, I will not believe. The challenge is that sometimes we allow too many voices that are contrary to the word of God, contrary to the promises of God, to define our situation such that we can end up feeling like this is it. Just to think about the Israelites. You know the story of David and Goliath, and I'm sure a lot of us know it. But the, the army, Saul and his army, for 40 days would listen to this man speak twice a day. So imagine 80 times. That he would come and taunt them to say, I'm going to defeat the, the army, the armies of Israel. And they were so terrified, so, so terrified. And David gets there and 
if there's anyone who should have had self-doubt, it's David. Because when the father is asked to say, bring your children, he doesn't even call him. He is the one who is sent with the little sheep, the few sheep as the brother described them, but the other brothers are going to war. Just imagine, the Bible even says he looked a bit right, he was different. Just imagine how much, this, but David would spend time in the presence of God, that God is the one who defined him. And because he was defined by God, he would know that, you know what, God would deliver this man. Just, just, just imagine with me, imagine with me. Saul says, whoever kills Goliath, I'll give my daughter. I don't think he said that on the first day, because on the first day you'll be saying, you know what, we can take him, we can take him. But the more you hear, the more paralyzed you come, become. The more you hear, the more paralyzed you would become. Guys, Goliath was 2.97 meters tall. And a man who would kill him naturally would probably have to be that big and that, that, you know, be able to fight him. That man would be barbaric. He would be gandangorous. But... Saul would say, I would give you my daughter. Ah, Jack, me, I'm not going to give my daughter to such a barbaric guy. No, but it was because they were filled with so much fear. That is like, what can motivate? But even promises of great riches, promises of being a son-in-law of the king didn't work. Just imagine the opportunities that the, the son-in-law of the king would have. Just imagine the opportunities, the ability to participate in geology and all these things that we would have by being a son-in-law to the king. But still they said no. And up steps David. He hears Goliath speak once and he says, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. I've heard enough. He starts asking, what's the story here? And his brother says, turns to him and says, "Are ah, you, your pride has started. Go back. And, and he says, my brother, what have I done? Is there not a cause? turns away from him and says, I've heard enough from you too. That's one of the things we need to begin to say, I've heard enough from you, I've heard enough, I've heard enough of what you're saying because it is contrary to the word of God. David steps up and the rest is history. Tell your neighbor, I've heard enough. The question I've been asking myself is, am I acting out his word enough? Am I going beyond shouting I receive and sowing seed into an anointing and then not putting any action? I believe that if we can overcome self-doubt, we are able to believe the word of God without doubt. Let me remind you that the strength of a word is based on who it came from, its source, and it determines the credibility of the word. The word of God is incorruptible. No letter falls off and the source of it is unable to lie. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and he will he not make good? <laughs> James 1, 17 says, every good and Every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This just excites me. This is the year of the Father's voice. We must be growing in confidence in hearing God, hearing from Him and acting it out because He is speaking. The Good Shepherd is leading us, directing us. I find it interesting that it's, more, it's easier to believe bad news than it is good news. It's interesting. It's easier to believe bad news than good news. Well, that's if you are more aligned to fear and that. Because if someone comes and says, gives you good news, you're like, this is too good to be true. But bad news, you take it at face value, even if it's false. 
The third thing that I'm going to talk about today is doubting the power of God or doubting the ability of God. See, self-doubt causes us to doubt the word of God and doubting the word of God causes us to doubt his power. Remember Psalm 78 that we read earlier says, and they limited the Holy One of Israel and did not remember his power. If it can happen to the Israelites, who will marvel at at all those miracles that happened to them, that we quote and pray and say, God, may you part the Red Sea like you did for the Israelites. But they're told you limited him. Just imagine how much more we could have seen and be reading about if they hadn't limited. Just imagine the miracles we could have been hearing about and seeing if they had not limited him. How many more testimonies would you be filled with? How many more testimonies would I be filled with if I had not limited God's power or limited God's ability? See Genesis 18 verses 13 to 14, uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, shall I bear a child since I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? It says at the appointed time I shall return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah's reaction is one of skepticism and really a sign of what she thought was possible with God. A lot of times we, we, our circumstances become so real to us that the power of God is diminished or we give so much credence to the devil that we can speak about all that the devil is doing but very little about what God is doing and what God is able to do. Hmm. We attribute so much power to the devil. We can magnify his influence to a point where it's easy to get confused and think that he is more powerful than God. We've almost determined in our hearts what God is able to do, what he is he, in his ability to say, I think up to here. And so many doubts about what he is willing to do and really what he is able to do. Think about it. How many of us can be so bold to make a declaration of the power of God like Elijah did in the showdown with the prophets of Baal? Maybe not even that big. You know, can we really make a declaration in public or will we be too concerned with how it would look if it didn't happen? But if I, if I pray for healing publicly for this person and they die, what will people say? No, that exactly is where we do not see the power of God because of doubt. See, what happens is if we don't believe the word of God and if we don't believe in his power, we begin to take things into our own hands. But the best of man is man. The best of flesh is flesh. <laughs> it's interesting that a created being thinks that they can do something that the creator cannot do. Think about it. How many times have you said our oh, God has not come through? He's failed, but I can. Really? I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> I've done it too. Let me just share a personal story about this. Over the last 19 months, we have been bombarded with so much talk about this pandemic from all angles, everywhere you look. Uh, everywhere you look, it's the adverts, whatever it is, it's been there. You know, there's been so much talk about uh, variants, you know, uh, about, about the power and everything else that is associated with this disease. If I can be honest, I began to feel a little bit defeated by all this. I began to feel like, okay, this is the end. Okay. And we are defeated. Okay. So it's done. We're defeated. I began to question, so why am I living in such a time as this? Why wasn't I maybe in the time of Noah? Well, maybe I would have been part of those that... You know, killed by the flood but <laughs> I began to ask myself these questions and say but God 
Why? You know, because of my involvement in certain uh, aspects in the marketplace and also being a pastor, I would receive lots of notices of sickness, of death, or some sort of loss, loss that was uh, attributed to the virus, whether it's loss of income, loss of jobs, whatever it is. To be honest, at some point, I did not want to pick up my phone in the morning, just thinking of what I could read. When I would see messages of sickness, I would be at a loss for words. I'd be like, Aish. <laughs> and not be able to really strengthen and encourage with conviction. I hadn't realized that all the information I'd been receiving from all areas had bombarded me and in fact affected me in a way that I was no longer living by faith. At one point, I said, I have heard enough. This is enough. I am going to block out these things. I'm going to sanitize my environment because this is killing me. It is killing my faith. So I had to begin to exclude myself from certain conversations. I had to exclude myself from certain things. If you ask my wife right now, she will tell you that if you want to talk about some of this, I, I can be like, ah, you know what? I'm not there. Because I realized it was killing me and not giving life. I began to go back and remember the times that we would see healings where I myself received a miracle of healing. Maybe it was 10 or so years ago. I began to remember those days. And there's a song I began to play that, would, that reminded me of those days and began to stir me up again. I would believe that, you know what, he heals all sickness. I would play it over again on my, on my phone, uh, uh, on, on my, in my car, on my, one song, one song. I think it graduated to two songs at some point, but it was like, you know what? No, 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 no. I have heard of enough of this. I want to hear about the power of God, the ability of God, because therein is our victory. I remember one day I had left work. I had received messages over the 48 hours of people that were struggling, really struggling, had been in, on oxygen for, for over almost two weeks and over. And I said, you know what, this is not right. And I felt led by the Holy Spirit to begin to go to these places. I started driving up and down people's roads, praying over the houses to say, there, we declare healing, you're coming out, you're coming out. I began to circle hospitals where I knew people were and declare that you are coming out, you are coming out, you are coming out. I went to several places and declare that you know what you are recovering God is still able there is no point where we can say it's too much for God to intervene no God is still able he's still able to heal he healed someone who had been sick for 38 years what more seven days he is still able to be honest at that point <laughs> my faith was so high that I said, if someone were to stop me at one of these hospitals and say, sir, we've seen you, I, what are you trying to do here? I was so built up at that point. All the negative uh, thoughts had left and I was so built up that I was able to stand up and to proclaim that, you know what, people are going to be healed in this institution. I went home, excited, filled with joy, got home and, you know, you said to me, oh, no, I'm late. I came home late because this was what I was doing and I left it. Honestly, a part of me wanted to start texting and saying, so how are they now? How are they now? But I, I, I resisted the urge. And I can tell you that in the days coming, the testimony started coming to say, hey, you know what? Mom was, is now off oxygen. This and this has happened. And it built me up because I realized that I now was calling upon the Holy One of Israel, Jehovah Rapha. It, it built me up, I'm telling you. 
It built me up. I began to ask myself, am I paying so much attention to the circumstances that I begin to doubt God is Jehovah Jireh? That I'm paying so much attention to the things that I'm trying to do, that I failed at doing, that I failed dismally, and begin to think that God is unable? Am I now afraid to venture out again into, into trying to acquire property because of my past mistakes? See, are you paying so much attention to unemployment statistics that you are forgetting there is Jehovah, Rehoboth, who makes room for us? Are you and I paying so much attention to the stages of sickness that we forget that there is a God who is able to raise Lazarus from the dead? What level of sickness beats Lazarus' death? He is Jehovah Rapha. Now we know, we all know what, what it means to say no, the oxygen is 85 and da, 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 but we do not know or call forth the power of God. Uh, let me remind you that he, he said it in Genesis 18 and he repeats it in Jeremiah 32, 26. Behold, I am the Lord God, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? <sighs> Romans 14, 23 tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. And then Matthew 5, 30 tells us that whatever causes us to sin, we must cut it off. If you have your hand, cut it off. Therefore, I want, us to, I want to say to you this morning, whatever it is that is causing you to doubt the power of God, cut it off. Whatever is causing you to doubt the word of God, cut it off. Whatever is causing you to doubt yourself, cut it off. Whatever is speaking to you and is speaking what is contrary to the word of God, you must cut it off because it is limiting the Holy One of Israel. Maybe a group of people you need to leave, an environment. See, these days we are so aware that if a room is contaminated with this disease, we need to, we need to disinfect it. Let's apply that to our personal lives. Something is contaminating your faith, disinfect your heart and disinfect. Don't go back there where it pulls down your faith. I don't know what is causing you to doubt God, to doubt his power, to doubt his word, or to doubt yourself. But wherever it is, remove it and begin to rebuild your faith again. Faith in yourself, faith in God's word, faith in what he has put on inside of you, and faith in his word, his ability, and his power. I think we need to repent for the times we have limited him and questioned him. Questioned his integrity, his willingness, his credibility, his ability. We need to repent. So wherever you are, I want you to, actually I want you to stand. Stand with me or kneel, whatever it is, whatever posture you get into as we get in, to just repent before God. Father, we repent this morning for where we have doubted you. Where we have doubted your integrity, your ability, your credibility where we have doubted your ability to create correctly and told you all sorts of reasons and defects that we have and why we couldn't do the things that you're calling us to do. Where we have questioned your wisdom and your judgment of calling us by making excuses and not doing what you've called us to do. We repent, O oh Lord, for where we have not believed your word, where we have not taken you at your word. We ask, Lord, that you may forgive us. Father, we ask for forgiveness where we have taken matters into our own hands, doubted your ability, doubted your power. Father, 
may you forgive us. May you forgive us today. May you forgive us this day. Father, we believe, but help our unbelief. I want to just close by making a few statements and declarations of what I feel that God would say in this time. If you look in the book of John, chapter 11, there's the whole thing that happens with Lazarus and his death. The message gets to them and, uh, you know, they say, and Jesus says he's sleeping and all this. But verse 15 of John 11, he says, then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You are about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. Just think about that. He, he, he is explicit. He previously said he's sleeping. No, he says he's dead. But I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Because you are about to receive new grounds to believe. I want to pray and declare that as we come out of doubt, as we walk out of doubt, we are going to see things happen in our lives that give us new grounds to believe. It's time we had new testimonies. It's time we had new stories. It's time we have new things to testify about the goodness of God. Not what happened months ago, years ago, but now. In the 2021 word, Pastor Tom declares that we are going to see some things overtake us. There are going to be some suddenlies from God. May this be the time. He also says there will be, the season will be a season of suddenlies. Suddenly means without warning, without notice. As we abide, he also says, as we abide in him and obey his voice, we will see new things emerge. We will see these things emerge through unusual uh, and new partnerships, through promptings of his spirit and through suddenlies of God. May our faith be built up again as we see dead dreams being resurrected, dead visions being resurrected, dead ideas or dead situations that were now stinking. <laughs> Three days, I don't know how long it has been cooking in the grave, but it's time to come out. It's time to come out. It's time for new life to come out of it. It's time for new life because he is giving us new grounds to believe. New grounds to believe. Father, we thank you for the things that you are doing in our lives. We thank you that indeed we are stepping into suddenness. Father, you said at the start of the year that the start of the year will be tumultuous, but we would have a triumphant ending. Father, we want to pray right now that there is a beginning of the triumph, that we shall see the triumphant close of the year starting now. Father, we are past halfway. We are at the tail end of the year. May these things Begin now in the name of Jesus. Maybe you are out there and you are filled with so much doubt in your heart that you're saying, you know what, how can I get past this? Sometimes all you need is someone to talk to, someone who will show you a different perspective, who will say to you, have you considered this? On the screen, there are some numbers that are appearing there. That's our call center ready to listen to you, to speak to you, to work through issues with you, to work, walk through life with you. They will help you. They will place you in groups. They will help you place you where you can begin to do life with others. If you are a young person, there is the youth. If you are uh, a middle-aged, there's cross-culture for young adults. There's men's groups, women's groups, prayer groups. There is some place that you can connect and begin to work this out now maybe you are someone who has doubted the existence of god or you've doubted jesus being your savior but today 
you've seen that you know what there is something that has been missing and this is Jesus in my life there's 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 a void that nothing else can fill make today the day that you decide to make a, the best decision of your life the Bible says if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord is your Lord and Savior then you are saved so this morning I want you to pray and say father I thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me and after three days raise him up from the dead I make confession with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior today I ask you to forgive me of my sin that I may be saved in Jesus name Amen now if you've prayed that simple prayer I want you to take another step and call the number on the screen message the number on the screen so that they can help you put resources in your hands and help you on how you move from here what are the next steps to take amen now for the rest of us i trust you have been blessed i trust god has encouraged you and strengthened you today may god richly bless you amen thank you for listening to today's message we pray that you were blessed and that god will continue to transform your life in this season if you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.